Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinas. Makalua. The Man Team. Mega Bears Fan. We shall yell into the void. Three, two, one, go. No. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Polycast episode 413. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, no. (laughs) Cut, cut, cut. It's the Polycast Christmas special 2022. Or it would be, except it's not. It's actually, he's right. Go ahead. Uh, okay, well, welcome to the Polycast Christmas special, except, nope, this is going to be an actual episode because we have actual topics to talk about for a change. Hooray for Phyrexis. Uh, I am Mega Bears fan, joined as always by Canis Albinus. I feel bad for interrupting, but it was just too easy to do. That's all right. I, I wasn't given a script, so I was just like, whatever, I'll just do what I usually do. You didn't uh, get the script? And, and, no, I just got the topic list. <laughs> was there supposed to be a script? No. Okay. Uh, and the me and team. You must gather your units before venturing forth. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we have sent out the summons for Mackie, so maybe she will join us. Maybe not. Maybe it can't attack. Uh, why, why, why do we have, like, three different games going on at once here? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. We've got, Bal- we've got Baldur's Gate, Pokemon, and Civilization VI. It's a legitimate crossover of franchises that I am sure will result in an excellent play experience. I'm genuinely surprised that there's not a wait that we we have an Empoleon Pokemon. So so we have Napoleon in Pokemon. Do we have and we have Genghis Khan. Who else do we have other than Trump and Obama and Hillary? I don't know, but I don't think there's a Minx Pokemon yet. So we can get on that. There's a what? Pokemon? I was very tempted in the middle of the your, your exchange during the intro to like copy paste your thing and switch intro to you. <laughs> in what intro? I, I'm confused. In our topic list, I was tempted, like because you interrupted him, to to switch it to Canis. <laughs> yeah, this has been a major hash. Anyway, let's go on to the news because we've got some this week. Wee. So, uh, shortly, we haven't actually released episode 12 yet because it's been on my brother's computer languishing behind closed doors, but if you listen to it, it was actually the the Saturday before the release of the first leader pack. And the first leader pack, uh, I believe it came out on the 21st of November, and it was kind of a mess. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys were paying attention at the time, but... It uh, basically reset everybody's installation back to base game vanilla uh, when it was downloaded. So all of the DLC just went away and people were like, well, what, what's going on? <laughs> I missed that experience. <laughs> yeah, it was just that, uh, that is definitely messy. And uh, following this, there were lots of very angry people on the forums and in the Steam threads. And then they said, OK, it's a Steam bug because we've never tried to give out DLC to people who already own all the other DLC before. 
So blah, 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 something, something or other, or something or other. It's not really important because it's sort of tangential to the story. But anyway, they got it fixed, supposedly. But we couldn't play Civ for like two days because it took that long for the fix to roll out. So as far as I know, it's, it was back to normal by the Wednesday of that week, so by the 23rd, but some people didn't get the expansion material, or the uh, DLC material, until much later than they were promised it. Smooth. Well, as awful as it sounds, uh, unfortunately, this is kind of just standard for, you know, big video games now. Like, I can't count the number of times that I've tried to, like, <clears throat> log into an EA game or like Gran Turismo 7 or something like that. And oh, sorry, server is down for maintenance. You can't play today. Well, that was Even though I'm trying to play offline single player. That's not what happened here, though. That's particularly egregious. But, it's yeah. bad, but yeah. It's not quite that bad in this case. It was, there was a mistake somewhere that they were not sure how it was going to work. And so we'll, we'll go over the leaders now that we actually know what their actual abilities are. So we've got, we'll start with Abraham Lincoln because he's the first one that showed up in my list of leaders. Uh, and I was not even close with, uh, with my speculation last time. Neither was I. But uh, I'm going to be honest, this guy feels like a gimmick event, uh, ability to me because it's uh, without, or if you have Rise and Fall, which is what you should have, he gets two amenities from industrial zones and receives a resource-free melee unit with an extra five combat strength after constructing a new commercial zone or one of their buildings. Uh, commercial zone or industrial zone? Industrial I read zone. industrial zone. It is industrial zone. Uh, my brain is still not good. Uh, from uh, that, that, That's in both games. But in the uh, Rise and Fall version, he also gets plus three loyalty per turn in cities that get industrial that have industrial zones while in cities while he gets minus two loyalty per turn for every plantation in his empire he seems like uh one of the more conquest oriented uh leaders in the game which is amusing to me i, I don't know why they decided to put him in the communicator class because or, or negotiator class because wasn't he, like, notorious for refusing to negotiate with the South? I mean, his his military stuff here, it, he, like, he is a military leader as far as his mechanical bonuses are going in this game. So I mean, they kind of shoehorned him into this, into this categorization, but he is built as a military leader, period, in terms of his Civ 6 design. <laughs> it, it makes more sense for him to be put in the other, in the other pack and have Tokugawa switch his place. But at the same time, Lincoln is not a particularly good military commander. So, well, in terms of bonuses, yes, that's it's certainly the case that Toku belongs here and Lincoln belongs in the the commander pack. We'll get to Tokugawa when we talk about the second pack leaders, which have already been released at the time of recording. Yeah, but like, I mean, you've more reason than usual to make industrial zones here, and I'm presuming that the plus five bonus is stacking with the generals that you could you could also farm. Uh, if, so you can get pretty beefy units as long as they're contemporary. If they don't stack, it'll be the first bonus of that type to not stack, I think. Yeah. And, and hopefully it is clearly labeled uh, which units have that, you know, bonus strength so that, like, you don't forget which ones came from that, you know, which, which unit is the free one from the industrial hub and which ones are just the regular units that you've built that don't have the bonus. You talking I would about? hope they would either have the higher strength baseline or you would show it when you're mousing it over. So 
I'm sure yeah. it's only when you click on it and you're looking at the chart at the bottom where it shows its military strength. Because this is Civ yeah. Six, and we don't have anything that can actually, you know, distinguish special units from other units that you can see on the actual screen. You if have I to remember look. correctly, if you get it up to, like, was it two promotions or something like that, you can rename the unit. Yeah, but... But, so there's that, I guess. <laughs> but you can do that to every unit, and it doesn't change the icon. No, but at least when you click on the icon, you'll like clearly see like, oh yes, this is my Lincoln unit or whatever. Why would you gate the ability to rename units ever? Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I, it's something I thought was weird as well. Well, the answer is role play, but anyway, I saw but in uh, that's in... left to the players. It's just like that. If you're using role play as the argument, you are forcing your particular role play onto other people. Which is not really a good design call. No, it's not. But this is uh, a game designer, and sometimes they don't make the best calls. Yeah. I was scrolling down through some of the uh, uh, responses in the thread, and I, I saw someone was talking about how the um, minus two loyalty from plantations like seems like it's not going to do anything. Because when you have a city big enough to start building industrial zones, loyalty shouldn't be a problem. But I think the strategy here is going to be that you probably don't want to build plantations in new cities. Like you would need to wait until you get your population up. Because if you just plop down a city and then build some plantations, you might have some loyalty problems there. You'd have to build a lot of plantations and not be in loyalty pressure area. I think this would have its most relevance when you're conquering cities. Um, yeah, there's that there too, yeah. too you pro you're probably going to pillage them then until you're, you've secured loyalty. And at that point, you are just getting a plus three bonus if they happen to have an industrial zone. Like, there's really not a lot of downside. Like, that's like, that's kind of like a throwaway penalty. You I know? wonder like, if you can make it not matter in the rare cases that it will. And it pr almost never will. I wonder if the plantation being uh, pillaged uh, means it does not give the uh, loyalty penalty. And also, is this minus two loyalty per plantation in the city's borders or just minus two loyalty if you have one or more plantation per I mean, based plantation. on the reading i would say per but i haven't played it so i don't know it is per plantation yeah plantation resources usually show up clustered so it's not uncommon to have you know two or three plantations in one yeah. city's range it's just not going to matter unless the city is already under loyalty pressure of some kind well if you have three plantations and that's minus six loyalty that's more a gray, a larger loyalty penalty than the bonus that you get for having like uh uh oh gosh dang it what is it not the um uh governor there I thought governors are eight oh are they I was thinking it was five you might be right it might be eight I thought it was Magnus was eight and the rest were five uh, not, not Magnus not Magnus Victor yeah that's what I thought as well no I thought they're all eight but Victor can give you more if um via being nearby that could be if too you take his upgrade for it. As you can see, we are well-versed in the ways of Rise and Fall. <laughs> well, this is like one of the few things I interact with because I, I conquer stuff. I mean, yeah, just make uh, industrial zones and get your uh, stack that with a general and make your stuff way stronger for the era than anybody who doesn't have a general. And uh, you'll probably roll stuff up like a blanket against the AI with Lincoln, so that's good. I mean, although at that point in the game when you're building industrial zones, everybody who wants a general has probably has some generals. Yeah, well, the AI is not so good about forming generals and putting them on the front, and you are now stacking an additional five on top of uh, generals, which I'm going to presume you have as uh, conquesting save. It's not that hard to get them. Our second... Industrial zones aren't that late in the game either. So, like, th this is not going to 
protect you in a classical era rush. However, it's still pretty early. That's like, true. It's early They're... enough to be relevant. Yeah, that's true. They're medieval. Yeah, so not to... Yeah. It's like you could easily be seeing this on stuff like knights or whatever. The second leader in our list of leaders, Nzinga Mbande, also known as Anna de Souza, queen of Ndongo and Matamba in present-day northern Angola, leads Congo because why would we actually recognize their individual cultures? Called Congo Civ. Uh, she's famous for fighting the Portuguese for independence in the 1600s. You know, she has the leader bonus plus 10% yields on all cities on her continent, while cities on other continents receive minus 15 to all yield. Man, that'll be rough if you're uh, you like start on a border <laughs> of continents. Yeah, very similar to uh, to the Mayan leader ability, but like more. Like if you can actually get a decent chunk of cities on your continents, it's pretty good. But that is not a guarantee. And she also has uh, a big issue with people who like to settle cities off their own continent. That's her leader agenda. So she's basically just I don't like anybody who uh, plays the game normally. Yeah, good. Maybe we'll see some some blows being traded. I thought there was something to do with no. That was a that was a different leader. Never mind. Who was the third person on the list? I do not... Oh, it was Saladin. Yeah. Saladin. The Sultan Saladin. Saladin, the surrounded pounder. He gets the leader bonus victorious, plus 100% flanking and support bonus to all combat and religious units. Yeah, the surrounded pounder. Yeah. I uh, don't know how much of an effect that has on combat, but it sounds like uh, you don't want to be surrounded. I think flanking is only like a plus two bonus. Yeah, but it's plus two per uh, flanking unit. That's true. So yeah, it could could stack. So like, yeah, double flanking somebody and hitting them with plus eight is that's that's not nothing. I was gonna say <laughs> it's, that will be felt. It uh, it's also plus two and not plus two percent, which makes it much better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And if memory serves, uh, Arabia has a mounted melee unit or a mounted uh, unique unit, right? So. That should make it easier to surround the other players with those and uh, rack up those flanking bonuses. Yes, they get yeah. the Mamluk, famous for ruling Egypt. Although realistically, you, you can very frequently get uh, some components of this bonus with just the great general and two move infantry baseline, especially as the game goes on. But even by uh, even by like classical ones, you have three move on your guys. You will very frequently be seeing this bonus. Uh, so. In terms of getting your military in, it's there because you have to actually research uh, the other. You have to get the tech for flanking the matter. But in terms of actual combat tactics, you you do flanking stuff very early in the game, and then this will benefit you the entire rest of the time. I was gonna say, I uh, think it's a, good. I think it's a classical era civic that you learn get flanking from. Yeah, but I mean, you do have to actually go get it. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't take that long to reach it. Well, it's not like. Off the path, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it, just, it might not be there if you, like, blitz somebody out. You might not have it yet. Usually, by the time you have built enough infrastructure to have created a, um, uh, to have created a mounted unit, you probably will have had enough time to culture tech to it. Maybe. And I remember that being not always the case when I just did, like, straight up, uh, like, get to swords with uh, a general rush on people. 
But I'm talking about horsemen and cavalry and that level of stuff. That takes a little bit longer. Well, the, the, one of the Texan forces are pretty much on par with the swords. You can go there first if you want. But now that uh, mounted units are kneecapped against walls, it's um, I don't usually push for that right away. Well, it, it, the thing with mounted units is because they're kneecapped against walls, you're, you should use them first and foremost so that you can get the cities around you before the walls go up. Good luck with that, Deity, but sure. Yeah, Deity would make it harder. And that's all we got for the first... Uh... Yeah, that's a good bonus if you want to throw her down. Yeah, that's all we got for the first pack, uh, along with Julius Caesar, which we discussed last time. Uh, why do I... Oh, there it is. <laughs> Based on these military bonuses, it feels like a, a misnomer <laughs> for the past. Because two of these three leaders are, like, military leaders in terms of what Civ 6 has given them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess war is one way to negotiate, so there you go. <laughs> See all of my free units. <laughs> Give me what you want or they will defeat you. You feel like fighting me at plus eight? Well, no? All right. <laughs> you better give me this deal. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next two topics, uh, I think they both happened on the same, like, the one topic happened the same day, the second was announced the same day, but uh, since Mackie's not here, let's have uh, somebody else talk about it. Okay, so the uh, first topic is uh, back in November, uh, There, it was announced that there would be a charity event called the Civ Give, uh, which would be organized by various uh, streamers within the civilization community. Uh, and this, I guess, is an annual event that they've done at least once in the past. Does anyone know how how, how many years they've done this now? Was, was last year the first year? I think it was the first year last year, but I don't know for sure. Uh, so let's see what uh, I don't follow. Actually, I don't follow Civ on Twitch because it's uh, there's another show that covers it. So I don't need to worry about it. I know uh, what they did what is... it last year, but I don't remember them doing it in a year before that. What is Extra Life? Uh, so they're raising money for a charitable group called Extra Life. Oh yeah, they're the 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 really big uh, video games for charity one where they're like, we're gonna give all of our money to helping kids in hospitals not feel like awful because they can't play video games or whatever. Hey, it's it's a great way to take your mind off of uh, you know not feeling well for sure. Yeah. Um, and just and last... being in a hospital. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you're just stuck there watching TV all day, and uh, yeah, it's not not great. Um, but anyway, last year it looks like they uh, managed to raise forty two thousand dollars, and apparently two K Games matched twenty five thousand of that. And this year they were looking to get seventy five thousand uh, dollars. And the actual event I think happened on December eleventh, which was a week ago as of the time of this recording. Uh, do we have any details on how it went? They got 38,000. Oh, that's a shame. So they didn't even match last year's. Oh, no, they didn't. But also remember, the economy was in a lot worse shape this year than it is la was last year. So that's true. Um, and they kind of like almost doubled their goal, which is pretty aggressive. That is pretty aggressive. And also, you know, last year, we're still kind of going through, you know, the tail end of, of COVID pandemics, a lot more people not going out 
and doing stuff. This year, yeah. things are mostly back to normal. I would imagine that there's not well, as many people who are... Back to normal in as much as 10% inflation well, allows that. Relatively but, speaking. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of, like, daily activity, though. Yeah, well, less, less people sitting at home all day watching streams is what I, I'm getting at. I also uh, do note that it seems like now that winter has started to come back, we're starting to see more um, news stories about potential reinstatement of mask things. And I, I uh, like the Los Angeles is in really bad shape with not having any free beds in any hospitals anywhere or something. And uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've got a, you know, a kid in middle school and, you know, my partner is a, a public school teacher. So like, yeah, they're they're bringing home Oogie Boogies all the time. And I'm sure you're getting all the great generic stuff, too, from that. <laughs> they're calling it the triple viral threat because uh, we needed another neat name to put on to seasonal disease. Yeah, last year was the first year I've ever gotten a flu vaccine, and I did it again this year, and I will probably do it every year uh, from now on. Because, uh, yeah, I am I'm sick of being sick. <laughs> well... I got the COVID vaccine, and I stayed up to date on all the boosters, and I still caught COVID twice this year. So, uh, yeah, there's and only then, so I much mean, it can do. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, because you you had the vaccines, you uh, did not get it as bad as you could have gotten it. I, I was, had it as well a few months ago, and I was basically a day of fever, and then like a week of coughs and sniffles. So. I was out of commission for a month and a half. So, oh, jeez. Dang. My immune system is not particularly healthy, but yeah, that's that's harsh. I mean, it goes with the territory of dealing with all the other garbage that I have to deal with. But, you know, anyway, Civ Give, uh, I don't know anything about whether it was a good show or not. I didn't watch it because I can't stand to watch Civ 6 multiplayer on Twitch because Twitch culture is a little <laughs> pretty skeevy, but Good for them for doing something useful. I wish we had enough reach to do anything like that, but we're much smaller and we have much less going on. Case in point, we don't even have enough questions for a Christmas show. But I guess we do have an interview to cover. Yep. Oh, I gave that to... Oh, I should probably talk about it then, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, yes, because I have, the, I have the next topic. Oh my gosh. I, I well, was originally assigned to Jason. Yes, but the previous topic was originally assigned to Mackie, who Jason did for. So, uh, right around the time that the first leader pass was coming out, there was an interview by what's this person's name? Nathan Birch at WCCF Tech. That's actually a new one for me. I don't know who that is uh, in terms of like what media organization this is, where they come from, or whatever. But um, they did an interview with Ed Beach about the it was not an interview. It was a Q&A about Civ 6 and whether it's going forward or not. Some of the interesting things that came up were this was not planned from the start. And uh, the developers uh, really did intend to not do anything after uh, Gathering Storm. And then they did the the new frontier pass because the demand was there and then they did this despite saying twice that they were not going to do any more and now when asked the same question he said i'm not going to say that we're not going to do anything anymore because i've been wrong twice did they actually say at one point that after uh 
after the the last DLC that they were done. Yes, I, I know they were... they did. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> Not direct. I, I don't had... know if they. I don't know if they actually said definitively we're done, but it was very clear that they considered it done when they had every person from the design team se- send a message to the Reddit and to the Sif fanatics in a thread that yeah, said thank yeah. you for everything. Yeah, they had the public thank yous, and then they re- released, you know, what was it, the anthology pack, which definitely seemed like it was, this is everything that's in Civ Six and it's yeah. done. Yeah, it, 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 last year it felt very, was that last year or was that earlier this year? Man, my it goodness, was, time flies. It was uh, last April. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, time flies. But yeah, it, it definitely seemed last year that it was just, it was done. They were done. So this was a, a big surprise. Yeah, uh, it... Does he doesn't really seem to give an answer as to why they decided to do this anyway? Um, mostly, he saw that uh, he says that the reason they did it is because they saw that the number of civilizations with multiple leaders was pretty low, and we underutilized the feature. Which says to me he uh, doesn't have a a, way, a thing he can say about why it's being done specifically. Which says to me. Maybe Civ Seven needed an extra year of development, and they need do, and they're doing this to keep people from rioting. But they also like aren't selling it for money; like it's all yeah. free, right? So it's not like they're using this to like fund development of Civ Seven or or whatever's next. It's free if you've bought all the other DLC. If yeah, so I guess they're they're trying to get people to buy the the all the DLC. Yeah, you know, possibly to get more uh more income for whatever they're working on next. Well, I don't. I don't think it's a money shortfall. I think it's more. Uh, they just need to have a way to monetize what they're doing, so two K doesn't go blah. Because, like, for the entire month that the leader pass was announced, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna put the entire anthology on sale for thirty five dollars." So you really can't argue with that, considering how much it costs without a discount. I also do kind of wonder how much of this was maybe content that they had thought of doing like previously, but then like scrapped for whatever reason or in favor of other content, like how much of this was maybe like, you know, ability ideas or leader concepts that they already had, you know, at least in in written concept form, maybe not necessarily in terms of like any actual code or assets or whatever. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of this is, you know, essentially concept work that they decided well let's just run with it could be i'm not gonna say no uh let's see the next thing they talk about uh this question why do we have why are we doing leaders instead of new things and they said well if you've looked at civ 6 and tried to play it recently you know it's full of stuff and adding more would be kind of irresponsible to the existing amount of stuff like we don't need to add more features and more mechanics because we've already got enough Civ is not EU4. It's not designed to just keep getting added new mechanics to it. Well, I don't know that EU4 uh, is designed for it either. It just, it just happens. Well, they're doing, like, EU4 is, like, getting massive up, massive upgrades now, or supposedly, but they're, like, redoing the basic stuff now, so. But uh, the next question that's asked uh, is all about the personas. So why are they doing personas instead of doing new leaders? And he basically says, well, uh, kind of came out of Roosevelt and de Medici because they had like dual personalities that weren't being portrayed by the leader in the game. So they decided to do that with more leaders. Although 
I, I, I will have to wait and see what Queen Chi Huang has in his unifier persona because all the other leaders involved here lived for a lot longer than he did. And Victoria in the younger age was much different than Victoria in the later age of her life, similar to a lot of the other leaders that have that, like the Black Queen. You know, Saladin ruled a long time. Comments from the peanut gallery, anyone? No, not really. There you go. That comment. That that made me feel very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Any comments? Well timed. Uh, so then they asked, new buildings, new improvements, new wonders tied to certain leaders? The answer is nope. Uh, any new mechi- new game systems? Nope. You're getting new leaders. That is what you are getting. And he also says, uh, the leader pass is really a thank you to existing fans because, you know, we've put up a lot, put up with a lot. But at the same time, I don't know what I'm th- saying here. Somebody rescue me. It's by rescue, you mean moving on to Ara. Well, there's there's a couple of other questions there here, but the the big question is they ask what are the plans for new Civ, uh, or are they going to continue to support Civ Six? And the response is, oh, there's nothing we can announce yet. So you know, can't say. Yeah, and... we can neither confirm nor deny that a Civ Seven may or may not exist. And they still don't know if the leader pass can come to consoles yet. But also no uh, denial here that there won't be more Civ Six content. So uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be a second leader pass at some point. And I think uh, that and... that successfully wraps up the interview. Well, the, the last than... question was whether or not the leader pass would come to consoles. Yeah. Because uh, as and... of now, it's only on PC. And uh, the answer to that is uh, looks like a resounding maybe. They want um, to, but they're not sure they can. Yeah, I think the 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 developer so so Firaxis doesn't do the console ports like they had was Aspire Aspire, Aspire yeah yeah uh, who probably also thought Civ Six was done and uh, moved on to other projects so is maybe not available to do you know anything that happens to come up now or in the future. Well, they told so, us uh, they told us in the last live stream that Aspire is no longer working on Civ. So, like, they they were removed from the project. And I don't know if it was because they were doing a bad job or because they were doing a bad job, but I think it was because they were doing a bad job. Yeah, well, and I'm sure they were probably also on a contract. And, you know, when they finished the scope of Civ Six, or at least thought they finished the scope of Civ Six, that contract would have expired anyway, probably. Well, so. I'd imagine the, the contract is with 2K and... Axis because I know that Aspire has been doing Civ games since at least Civ 4. I used to own the Mac version of Civ 4 when I was young and stupid enough to buy a Mac. Not that buying a Mac is necessarily stupid, but it was stupid for me. It would not be the play if you are primarily looking to game with your machine. At the time, I was not, but that doesn't matter because even for what I was trying to use it for, it turned out to be inadequate. What do you mean I can't change the... the uh? way I try to use my computer. You mean I have to do it exactly the way Apple says, no matter what, no exceptions, or else? Well, yeah, that's apparently how it goes, so I guess I can't use this. But now, Phil, I think we Wait can a minute, wait about... a minute. We have somebody to introduce. Oh, hello, Mackie. Alarms. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple alarms set. I slept through all of them. I might be tired. That's okay. Welcome to the show. Hello. Now I have to redo the... And No, I don't, because I built that into it. <laughs> 
Okay, good. <laughs> oh, I get to introduce the next topic, too. So, a uh, couple months ago, uh, does anybody remember when it was actually announced? When Aura was actually announced? I don't think it matters announced? too much. Uh, when it was announced? It was at one of those... we intro on it now. It was at one of those game show type things that everybody supposedly likes, but actually just mostly watch for the trailers for new games and completely ignore all the people talking about what they think is cool and whatever new corporate project they're working on but uh, uh game dev conference or something maybe gdc or it was it was more like like a pax or something ah uh. but yeah ara has gone through its ara history untold it's the name of the game they have gone through their first iteration of playable alpha and uh, apparently it went so well that they decided to start releasing the dev diaries to the public so that they could, uh, you know, talk about this with big more people than just that. These dev diaries, the first one is dated July 27th of this year, and it's basically talking about how their game is not a 4X, it's actually a 6X. No, wait, it's actually Grand Strategy or some other combination of what the heck. And then there's this little background thing about how 4X was coined for the for the game Master of Orion, which we'll get to in a little bit. And uh, he want they wanted to add a couple new X's for the modern lens, one of which being uh, experimentation, so you don't have to do everything the same way all the time, and um, try to add it to one of the pillars of the 4X genre. And then they realized, wait a minute, we could add more X's, so let's add expression, so that everybody can play it their own way. Uh, so it's a 6x grand strategy game, if that's what you want to believe. I don't know what to believe when I'm reading through their stuff. Also, I I will say that if they actually deliver what they're talking about in the dev diary, that this is going to be an excellent game, but I have serious doubts that the game will deliver, because it's a lot to promise. Yeah. Also, have we mentioned that Aura is going to be big? Yeah, it's going to be big, apparently. Yeah, it's like I think every other paragraph was like, this is a big game, a bigger game than any that any of us have ever worked on before. So, like, how is this going to run performance wise? How are you actually going to implement uh, some randomness into your tech? Uh, How are you going to do quite a few of these things, including just incentives for cooperation in the game, which has been I mean, they they talk about it in the dev diary, uh, but uh, they do not go into detail into exactly how they are incentivizing cooperation, aside from just having enough nations that you're probably going to have somebody that you're not going to be immediately hostile to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's true in like EU4 and stuff too, right? Like there's so many nations that uh, you get some benefit out of doing diplomacy with some of them just because you're not conquering them now or in the next hundred years, probably, uh, unless you're like one of the best players in the world. So uh, yeah, sure. I mean, get some value out of them and uh, likewise. Uh, well, and, direction. and if the map is big enough and there's enough players, it kind of starts to become unrealistic to expect... Uh, any one player to conquer all of the other players. So in that regard, you know, there's probably (laughs) players who you will never be in conflict with if, you know, like I said, the scope of the game is actually big enough. Well, that that what you said depends on the design of the game because, uh, you know, one tag world conquests are definitely a thing in pretty much every Paradox game that I've played. For sure, but I mean... And E4 is hundreds of tags. But just (laughs) like looking at... Every single one of them. Just looking at, like, Civilization, for example, like, if we had a Civilization game that actually had, like, 
you know, 30 uh, sieves on the map at once and the map were two or three times bigger than it is. I mean, like, yeah, sure, you probably could conquer all of them, but oh my goodness, it would be like even more of a, you know, grueling grind than it is now. And who would actually want to do that? Now, part well, of the problem with that, though, is that the controls and UI design are so bad that you can't manage uh, units very effectively in Civ 6. So, like, picturing how that would feel like at scale is awful because now you'd be maintaining the same kind of inputs every turn on like four, five, six fronts uh, simultaneously. And it takes ages. It just takes ages to interact with that. Uh, right. Part of that's just the design of you moving one unit per tile, but a lot of that boils down to the game performing terribly uh, at those kinds of scales and turns taking forever. So well, that's certainly true too. But I, I would think that if if that's what you were shooting for, if that's what Firaxis, for example, were shooting for with Civ, like, oh, we want all 40 Civs on the map at once and the map's going to be you know two, three times as large. Uh, I, I would seriously think that they would reconsider how the you know the military domination conquest whatever you want to call it in that particular iteration how that victory would work because hopefully they would recognize that yeah people don't want to spend all that time so they would uh you know hopefully scale the victory condition or end game conditions back a bit so that it doesn't actually require defeating every single civilization on the map yeah, and that's normal. I mean, we we saw solutions like that out of the Warlord series in the 90s, and uh, Civ 4 had domination as well. So it's not like we don't have previous things to draw on here in terms of ending the game sooner. Even like Master of Orion's diplomatic victory, you could get controlling interests by being big enough in the first Master of Orion. And they do mention uh, Master of Orion as an inspiration in, yes. the, in these dev diaries. So uh, when they're talking about like optimal tech paths and stuff, and how they want to introduce some randomness. I'm presuming that they're going to uh, take some inspiration from the Master of Orion tech thing. With, and that would also encourage cooperation, because it did in Master of Orion. Uh, you, had to, you had to work with what you got, but you could also fill in a lot of gaps by either cooperating or conquering techs out of other nations. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's if they're implementing something like that, it might, you know, some RNG might not necessarily be bad. We'll see. But again, this is a lot to promise. <laughs> I, this is the kind of thing where like, I want to believe it, but I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But hey, if they actually deliver, great. That's great. Yeah, I, I, And if I'm... they can actually make the game run decently at the scales they're talking about here and not turn into a friggin' slog, even better. And there's no good reason that it couldn't be done uh, if you're designing the way your computations are being done. It doesn't have to turn into a mudslide. Uh, but uh, every modern strategy game I've played has had issues with that. So I'm not optimistic given track record, but these are. Yeah. Reading through, reading through some of these blogs, I get some, not quite to this level, but some, some almost Peter Molyneux or, or Todd Howard, you know, vibes from it. Like, Oh, it's, <laughs> it's we promise it's all going to just work. Oh, really? Todd Howard. I'll believe a Bethesda game will just work when I see a Bethesda game that just works. <laughs> That they said, uh, both well. of those both of those names have had games that turned out to be pretty good. Uh, so you know, there's a chance. <laughs> aim high, and sometimes you hit it. I guess. Go hey, ahead. yeah, you, you aim for the the moon, and if you miss, you'll still be in the stars. Go ahead, Mackie. I was <clears throat> I was going to say the bigger the map gets, though, that makes me wonder how the performance is going to be. Like, sure, maybe it's okay. It's probably being okay in the beginning, and even in the mid game. But you get into the late game, and even even without the user interface, it's just we know how much Civ 6 bogs down. And yeah, like I said, there's no good reason for that, depending on how you're designing your mechanics. Like, are yeah. you having some sort of exponential scaling up when cities are checking each every and every other city 
uh, in the game or something like that. Like that's going to kill performance. But there's no like good reason that stuff like Hearts of Iron Four slows down in 1945, or that Civ Six late game turns can't be like a couple seconds. If you design it that way, it'll happen. Like you can do that with old games. It's <laughs> and they'll run it. Like it's not like you have to have more computations. I uh, noticed an interesting screenshot on the second uh, thing. So if we look at this screenshot and do that fancy screenshot analysis, you see that, okay, uh, it's turn 140 and food seems food and money and wood and iron and people and science beakers seem to be all quantified like individually. So food is global across the entire empire and wood and iron is as well and then you look at the map itself and you see okay so it looks a lot like civ 4 with road spam everywhere and there's cities on the map just like in a civ game but it's also like got other stuff going on that sounds like it's gonna be um split into um like eu4 type stuff and then you look at it and it says okay so uh, we're in Act 2 of Tier 1 of the High Medieval Era, in turn 140. And for some reason, the year is 4,174. But I don't know what that means. I also want to point out that those numbers that you were talking about, all the resource uh, stockpiles or whatever, they're big numbers. Like, yeah, they're like they're in the thousands. They're all in the thousands. Yeah, except for wood, which is like 80. 80. Yeah. <laughs> so not only are they big numbers, but it's like not even like a it doesn't even they're they're pretty granular it seems like if they're getting down to like wood is 80 and it looks like it's getting like what is it plus eight plus eight or so or plus a turn. it's a small screenshot it's hard to read so they're granular numbers too which is kind of like weird like usually when i see numbers like that in the thousands i expect them to be going up by like the hundreds you know yeah. like oh it's just it's a big abstract number you know but like like no they're they're changing in single digit increments so it's like that's really granular uh, resource management, it appears. And it, it actually gets a little bit more granular than that, because if you go to a later point in the list of um, dev diaries, one that was published in November, you see that every citizen has their own stats for happiness, health, prosperity, education, and aesthetics. And the numbers are all in the mid-hundreds. And... It just gets to the point where it's like, okay, they're modeling citizens down to this level. And the only game I can think of that really does things like that is Victoria 2, not Victoria 3, because Victoria 3 is absolute gutter garbage. But Victoria yeah, 2... Yeah, doesn't make me encouraged on the performance yeah, side it's of like, things. It's <laughs> like they're, they're doing um, civilization population style citizens the way that they're and defining them in Victoria 2 mechanics... And then all of this stuff put on top of all of these quantifiable resources. And um, I just am sitting here thinking, do they expect this game to come out for this generation? Do they expect it to come out in, in 10 years? Because this is reminding me more of Dwarf Fortress than Civilization. And uh, we all know about Although that Dwarf might be Fortress. high praise, depending on how they well, handle it. Uh, in terms of depth, maybe, but it also took 20 years to have a full release, so... That's true, but it's quite a beloved game, even at the time of release, because it has been worked on so much. <laughs> that I, I don't know that I want to draw that comparison just yet. 
Well, it's it's even just now in technical alpha. So these screenshots, they look pretty bland and pretty. Um, they haven't dressed up the user. Yeah, there's there's nothing yet. pretty on any of them. They're they're well, just there's, cl- there's clearly a lot of assets that are missing. I mean, all the uh, I, I don't know if those are cities or, or neighborhoods or districts or whatever, but they all basically look like imagine the, the districts of Civilization six, but with just the roads. No, and none of the buildings. Roads in Civ Four is what it looks like. Well, but the in Civ Six, the districts have like little a little web of roads, like on that tile, not between the tiles, but like on the tile. Yeah, and it looks and like there are spots that are kind of placeholders for maybe where the buildings will go later. Yeah, and they just don't have any of that yet. And uh, I assume those little numbers are tile yields, and they don't have graphics either. Yeah, yields or maybe population or something. Who knows? But they do have a. Interesting little graphic for the technology, which is gunpowder and fireworks. Yeah. And it's just a shower of sparks. Well, close enough. I mean, fireworks. Also, it looks like their little units on the side are emu riders or something. Is it, uh, like they're riding a bird. Yeah, that, yeah. Doesn't, that doesn't look like anything we've seen in history, but hey, it's fine. Or don't, I don't know. You can ride ostriches. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> It's just not done for good reason, yes. Yeah, not outside of, like, a Tolkien novel. Yeah. No, not even in a Tolkien novel. Despite what the Rings of Power would like you to believe, nothing like that happened in anything Tolkien wrote. Oh, a lot of the movies, the, the choices made are stupid, even in the context of the, the story written, or, like, what they're supposed to be able to do, or whatever. Oh, the movies are, like, high high fiction compared to that TV show, but... Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out on the second screenshot if is this a quest or a technology? The part of the word is hidden, but it's called the ocean is scary. No, thank you. <laughs> With progress, seventeen it, out of five hundred. It could also be like an achievement or something like that. Oh yeah, or like, you just dunked like, on the water. Like, it, maybe it's like ha- an achievement for having like five hundred boats sunk or something. <laughs> or you, or you are taking so many turns before ever putting a unit in the water. <laughs> it could be something like that too. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, if that is an achievement pop-up, why is it happening in technical uh, alpha one? Because yeah, that's, true. that's not when yeah. achievement stuff should be doing be, being done. Achievements are like, oh, you have enough time left over to add a few little visual fluffs. Yeah, maybe it is a, a quest of some variety then. And this person needs wood. Yeah, wood seems to be the, uh, the, the major bottleneck in terms of resources from what we've seen so far. If only one of the other uh, civs had some sheep to trade. It's not Catan. It's Catan. <laughs> Do it simultaneously. Pretty much. Yeah, I have serious concerns about how this game's actually going to run and what the incentives are going to be. But it could also be amazing. And I guess we won't know until it's out of early alpha and yeah, until it actually has a game. Yeah, more of a beta with less placeholder things, which will give a better idea of how it's going to run and all that. Yeah. I liked how uh, in one of the things they titled uh, the Dev Diary Tone and then used the the title Base Charisma 18 to describe how they want their world to look, which uh, lets me know that they are Pathfinder nerds. Well, or any CRPG, really, because that's definitely a thing in like Baldur's Gate as well. Yes, but 18 is the max you can get in Pathfinder it's start. also the default max in Baldur's Gate. Is it really? And probably other, yeah. I mean, it yep. does make sense because Pathfinder is just 3.5 plus. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these are deriving from Dungeons and Dragons rules. So and anything where 18 was the cap uh, in the base rules, I'm sure would also 
extend that into the game. I don't know if it was the cap. It was just the cap that you could know that you could naturally roll. I think. Yeah, it's the basic cap. Your real cap in Baldur's Gate is twenty five. I don't. But think you usually are using items and buffs to get to that. You can't just like have <laughs> twenty five. Oh, I remember. I know that when I played Kingmaker, I I had one of my characters cap at thirty five all, which was oh man, like supposedly godlike in all ways. But yeah. Yeah, if it keeps scaling up, then it would be if you're using D&D rolls. It's already ridiculous in the mid-20s, the bonuses you're getting off that. We're getting a little into the weeds. Yeah, we should probably go back to Civ stuff, because we got a whole other game to talk about that's related to magic. <laughs> yeah, well, are we done with Aura then? I think so. It looks promising. Let's hope it's as good as they say it is. But I'm yeah. going to put the uh, Sean Murray stamp, stamp on it for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if they deliver, it'll be one of the all-time great games of the decade. But uh, well, I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> but if they deliver, it, it's going to be amazing. Good luck. Yeah, and I mean that genuinely. Like I, I really hope they succeed yeah. in what they are trying to. Yeah, we're, we're, we're they're going to bring us because like that, that that will be amazing if they do it. Yeah, we're we're general genuinely rooting for it. Yeah, we're we're a little snarky uh about what we think are the realistic expectations but we are rooting for it yeah, burn so many times we can, times, we can yes. always use more strategy games in this you know in the genre well yep. it's, it's because we have to be snarky to sound interesting on the radio there we go we are totally on the radio right now internet radio all right so uh those of you who say when I was your age might recognize the next title here as we are getting a, a rework or a remake or whatever. Master of Magic. <laughs> so old it's new or so new it's old or something like that. Uh, you now have a new version of this on Steam with hexagons to move around and you still have 14 factions and whatnot. Uh, so that is also available. I have not had a chance to check this out, but... Uh, you are interested in Master of Magic, you can also buy it alongside the original, apparently. Yeah. I did I did see Quill 18 do a preview playthrough of this a few months ago. And it did look like it was sticking close well, it's all modern in terms of the graphics, but it did seem like it was sticking to the feel of it and the difficulty of it. It was not easy. Yeah. yeah they, they, I wonder if they made a nod to how chaos was in the original. <laughs> Where you're you're the stuff immediately surrounding you is bugged and there's like basically unkillable stuff that just wrecked you. Oh, that's that. that's a different game. That's not Master of Magic. Oh, am I misremembering? Okay. Uh, Matt, that game that you're thinking of is the one where you're taking on Belkoth, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah that that's a different game. That's not this one. This one, okay. this one is a turn-based 4X game from the 90s that is notable for uh, playing on two maps at the same time. So like being oh, yeah. on being Yeah, on, no, this is the one that I saw Lucid play a little bit. Yeah, uh, you're playing five players. Like you you're playing on one world and on another world at the same time. <clears throat> yeah, well, you, you usually to... have to like work your way into the other world. You start in one or the other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you start on Mirror or Arcanus and you have to go through portals to get there and Mirror is tougher and he did start on Mirror, which is like okay. And you still have to work it out where you spend points on the wizards and stuff, you know. That that's a yeah. As you build the wizard, you have to pick the spell books. You have to do that. You have to pick that you're going to start there and other things. I mean, and it still has the two scales to where the battles are on a separate thing from your actual game playing map. You know? So sort of like a mixture of Heroes of Might and Magic and a 4X game like Civ. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, Hom has 4X elements itself. Well, I know, but it doesn't have the same kind of map that Civ has. Oh, no, it doesn't. That's what I mean. I, I mean, it's it's like the character system and unit system that Hom has, but it's the map system like Civ has. Yeah, I haven't gotten played the new version myself, but from the little bits of previews that I've seen, it does seem like I mean, this is from somebody who played way too much of it back in the 90s when it was originally out. This does look like it is a good... You know, they try to say spiritual successor, but th this is what you actually get in a spiritual successor. It's not quite a literal successor, but the spirit's there. That's what I'm trying to say. It's more like a, it's more, it is a remake that follows the original much more than modern remakes tend to, right? Yes. So it's basically a new, a new, a new version of the old game. The rules are mostly the same. It's just the graphics and the presentation are better. Mm -hmm. And there's even still some of the old heroes from the original game in there that you could hire. Saw some familiar names in that. I was like, oh, hey. Wait a minute. Now no, we just you need guys a good version of Warlords 2 and 3. Because <laughs> that and Hom are the ones I played the most in the 90s. Well, you had both this and Master of Orion coming from the same people. And Oh, did, did Master of Orion, that remake that get made, um, get published by Slytherine as well? Oh, I was talking about the originals back in the 90s. I don't know how we'd have to go look at Master the other Orion. Well, there was... Oh, when was it? Yeah, I just missed these devs in the 90s. It's been unfortunate. I'm sure I would have enjoyed these quite a bit. I did play the Master of Orion remake. I think it was like 2017-ish, maybe 2018, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's what I'm looking up right now. I don't remember who the publisher was, though. It was, it was uh, NGD right. Studios and Wargaming Labs. Yeah, the game was all right. Like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. <laughs> I enjoyed it because I was playing against somebody or I was playing a game and then I got a news order, a news report in an interesting news style. Like it was a TV news report cutscene that said, oh, this nearby star is about to go supernova. And it was the only other enemy player on the map. So I won. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. And it was before anybody had a chance to settle any other planets, so it was pretty cheesy. But it was pretty hilarious. You're going to bring stuff over from the original game. Like that's one of the, like the least useful things to bring over. Just like, like early RNG that just decides the game by itself on like a single dice roll is awful. This was it's one of the few bad things about the original games RNG. The, <laughs> Why would uh, you do that? The Master of Orion remake was released in February of 2016. Oh, so it's actually actually slightly older than Civ 6 itself. Suddenly I feel very tired. <laughs> it's just a number. I mean, you can buy this game along with Master of Orion 1, 2, and the game purporting to be Master of Orion 3, but it's actually not uh, for 35 bucks. So you want some good old games from the 90s? That's what we have good old games and Humble Bundle for. Uh, Mackie, do you have the topic list? Somewhere here. Because <laughs> you're the next introducee. Introducer. Sorry. Oh, yes. Aww. Yeah, we are Art. introducing Mackie. Yeah, here we are introducing me to introduce stuff. And uh, uh. Oh, I need to boost your volume just a little bit. Got it? There we go. Peter Pass Pack 2. So they did a live stream also, but we also have the topic over at Civ Fanatics where it is... Uh, Shah for Persia, Tokugawa for Japan, and Suleiman for Ottoman, which uh, did they get enough? I was going to watch the live stream and then I didn't. Did they actually tell us what they're going to do? Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, 
Of course, the only thing that you heard in the live stream was, Why is Suleiman black? Oh, boy. Just like, okay, guys. Do you not understand that after six years of this game, that people who are not white are going to look either black as night or, like, yellow or something because of the way that the, the lighting engine works? Like, he's supposed to be Middle Eastern looking, and because of the way that white people look in the game, i.e. already kind of, you know, tannish, in order to distinguish from that, they have to look a little darker than you would expect. Get over it. Also, it's 2022. Who cares? An attempt was made. At least they put him in the game. If this was some other developers, they wouldn't even put him in the game. They did Toku dirty. (sighs) What part was dirty? His uh, bonuses are a meme. Well, okay, you get domestic trade routes. Well, you get penalized uh, international trade routes. So you will be probably using domestic trade routes. And they give you one culture, one science, and two gold uh, for each specialty district. So that's pretty good. And yeah. uh, that's basically all you get. Yes, but remember that Japan is built on building specialty districts almost exclusively next to each other. So yeah, maybe I'm underestimating this. Maybe just this getting all those as a raw bonus for internal trade is actually useful. Like as they technically get a second ability, and its cities within six tiles of Japan's capitals are a hundred percent loyal after researching flight. Like yeah, and they get tourism like for every district. Yeah, screw that. That, That's useless. Nobody cares about culture-ish stuff. Well, also, it's after researching flight, so it's, like, so late in the game that it's not going to be terribly meaningful. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe I'm underestimating, because you can get a lot of domestic trade routes, and uh, uh, that'll add up. Yeah, because as Japan, you are incentivized to rely not on tile improvements, but rather building as many specialty districts as you can, as close to each other as you can, because they all get bonuses for having them next to each other. So you, you settle need, your... Uh, you need to grow, <laughs> so you're still going to have to do tile improvements. Well, yeah, you too. do some tile improvements, but you don't need to do as many as you would in, an or, in another city. So you settle your cities as close together as you can, and you put all your districts as close together as you can, and then you get all sorts of great bonuses from that. Because they're all right next to each other, and then you send I'm all the not internal seeing how trade that strategy routes. is too different from other civs. Japan just gets more from doing it. That's why that's their strategy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's everyone's strategy. Japan just gets rewarded for it more. Yeah, that's how... Isn't that how all of the abilities are? Is every civ has to conquer the world, some just get extra bonuses towards conquering the world? Well, yeah, but sometimes you actually like change up your your build order or what you're using uh, to utilize what's unique about the Civ because it's good enough to change the conclusion. I guess, but it still seems the same to me. Like you'd like do a different tech path because your unique unit is so good or... Well, you still get Samurais. Yeah. I don't know if that's... uh, I don't know if Samurai is the example of a unique unit that's so good, but... Uh, They don't uh, replace... uh, They they don't replace Swordsman anymore. They replace the the Man-at-Arms so they're stronger than they used to be. Yeah. Let's talk about Nadar Shah. That's even more domestic trade routes. Faith in gold. And uh, you also get combat strength when attacking full health units, which tend to be the most threatening units to you. Uh, If nothing else, it's a good can opener hit on something you're looking to kill. So, well, the the caveat, the asterisk on the domestic trade route thing is it says Mm -hmm. cities not founded by Nader Shah. So these would be conquered cities. Yeah. So, like 80% of your cities, it's fine. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure this guy loves the association with Ralph Nader, but 
<sighs> that guy not is that guy still running for president? No, that's been because. a while. Thank goodness. I mean, him running for president is roughly as relevant as me running for president, so it's fine. Anybody remember Ross Perot? Yes. I was young, but I remember. That was uh, a disaster on all fronts. Then we have Silly Man. Yeah, Silly Man. He's he's okay. Affectionately known as Onion Solomon. Uh, I don't know why they gave him the title Magnificent in Arabic or Turkish, I guess, because... He wasn't known as the Magnificent by his own people. He was called the Magnificent because he captured the Byzantine Emperor's standards and basically paraded himself as the Emperor of Rome. And he made an impression on Western leaders at the time. And he was like, oh, well, he's pretty magnificent. He's got all the Roman stuff. Well, that's why he got it. then. But why would they give him that name in Turkish if they weren't, he wasn't called that in Turkish lands? It would be like us saying that Gorbachev is was like, um, I don't know, the great peacemaker, but then having the Russian word for that as the ability that he got, even though in Russia, Gorbachev brought untold destruction, devastation, fighting, etc. I'm not sure it's a good analogy. I, did the Ottomans at the time like dislike? No. <laughs> Solomon, I, I think it's fine. At least I don't think they disliked him. They followed him. I mean, yeah, it's, it would probably be hard to get a general pulse of a nation's opinion about their ruler unless he was like spectacularly good or bad. Like the Romans probably didn't adore Nero, for example. But yeah, I don't. Sure. I don't see the issue here. I'm not sure the Roman populace would have known anything about who the emperor was. Yeah, but, well, they wouldn't adore him then. At but, least. but Phil, what have the Romans ever done for us? Good question. Anyway, you get uh, 15% science and culture if you're in a golden age, and you fight other nations more effectively if you and they are not in a golden age or heroic age. Or both. Can't be both. Well, you can't be in both at the same time. And they gave him... uh, The name of his persona is supposed to be the Magnificent, but they put it in Turkish. So I don't know how to pronounce that, but Metesim? Say the Magnificent. That's how you pronounce it. Metesim? Mutism? I don't know. I am not Turkish. Uh, please direct all complaints to my complaint box, which is my box of I do not look here. Box of I'm just going to pronounce it magnificent because that's going to offend less people. No, if we're saying everything else in English, I think it's okay to keep using English. I, I just uh, wonder who these we'll people... Getting at. I, I just wonder who there are left in the world that expects Americans to pronounce things correctly. I mean, we we definitely try, but we're not good at it, so... <laughs> I mean, it's par for the course at this point. Some of us try. Some of us try. Most of us, I think, but... What's next? The live stream! Well, there's also some uh, patch notes. I don't know if you want to go over those. Well, yeah, but those uh, are... Like bug fixes. Those are the, the after the devs live stream, because... Oh, okay, sure. Uh, That's how it says on the list. Did anybody watch the live stream other than me? Nope. Or the recording of it? Did not get a chance, no. Nope. <laughs> so I was saying earlier, I was going to, but then, uh, stuff. Okay, so, uh, obviously, the chat was mostly obsessed with why is Suleiman black, because it's 2022, and we ha- don't apparently have better things to worry about now, but, uh, Suleiman is interesting in that he has military abilities, 
But he also doesn't get the Janissaries because they're not Ottoman. They're uh, regular Suleiman, which I guess they gave him the name Kunanui or Kanuni, Kanuni, whatever. I don't speak Turkish. Uh, K-A-N-U-N-I. So um, he only gets the Turkish ability that has the awesome... Turkish cannons, where you get 30% cannon uh, production and um, that stuff. What is it called? The uh, cannons of the Turks or whatever? The bombard? bombard? Great Turkish bombard, okay. But in the live stream itself, they uh, were, you know, doing the, the, the Firaxis thing where we, we are making a, a joke about how many of our new leaders have hats and who's stronger, the new beard or the old beard. You know, that kind of thing. And they showed off some screenshots of the quote-unquote best moments in Civ from 2022. One of them was a large army covering the entire border of a smaller country, uh, of course. And then somebody built a Great Wall by creating a Firaxis spiral and just building the Great Wall in a spiral all the way out. Apparently that was one of their favorites. Hmm. That would require a lot of tiles. Yeah, it was a lot of tiles and a lot of worker turns, but I suspect it was done in World Builder because there were no culture tiles that weren't part of the spiral, and that I don't think is possible. What else happened in the live stream? Apparently, uh, lead barbarian developer Carl was not leading the actual game this time. He was being the developer, and Ed Beach was playing the game, and uh, it it in involved interesting dichotomy because uh ed beach was the one saying we got to conquer everything and the normally aggressive and verbose um player of civ was saying i think we should go the diplomacy route of course they were fighting barbarians so that kind of makes sense you know the barbarian didn't want to beat up his own friends but and then they talked about the patch notes um and they explained why as we will soon discuss the patch notes list is fairly small so can I have somebody yeah. describe the patch notes and then I will tell them what they said. Yeah, you get uh, crash and stab issues. Yeah, I no longer biases towards science to the extent of gutting itself is another one. Uh, some players reported the correct music was sometimes blocked, so they addressed that. Uh, last best West ability now correctly gives plus two production instead of plus one. So That's funny. So they buffed that, but then never actually like coded the game to give the buffed amount. Yeah. Well, it was only those two types instead of like the original yeah. thing. Snowmines and tundra hills. The original thing was more than just snowmines and tundra hills. It was all tundra tiles, I think, and it didn't apply the bonus to two types of those. So it was a bug that the ability was not working to its full ability, rather than it was not existent. Apparently, there was a bug that where the, one of the policy cards was costing production of specialty districts to take ages. <laughs> In the dramatic ages game mode, so yeah. uh, they address that and change size of uh, salad and icon image to match those of other leaders. It's uh, pretty minor, but it's there. And then uh, minor tweaks and applied polish to previously released leader pass. Polish, not uh, polish. polish. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely some stuff that I'm disappointed to not Troll. see in okay. these patch notes. Yes, and that is what I'm about to say. Um... When they talked about these patch notes on the stream itself, 
Ed Beach said specifically that there are several other issues that they are aware of that they didn't put into this patch because they were more concerned with making the game not crash so much. So they've been spending time on a lot of errors and things where the game keeps crashing for a lot of people. And if you look at the social media of everything that has to do with Firaxis, you will see them, all of them, flooded with reports that the game crashes all the time. And uh, it does. So they it's said... A fair place to put your priority. <laughs> yeah. So that's where they put most of their priority. He also said that they are, there are several other things that they have not worked on yet, but are intending to work on before the end of the pass. So um, fingers crossed they get to the one where the AI is not improving resources in the economic mode. But Yeah, that's, uh, that was the big one that I'm hoping for as well. Fingers crossed. They did fix the big one that the AI over, over fanaticizes towards science. And that was a major thing that affected games for over a year and a half. And... Um, they don't need units or money. Yeah. But basically, after the first uh, leader pass came, leader patch came out and they were like, oh, no patch notes. I was pretty upset and I thought, oh boy, we're going to really go through 60 LCs and no balance patches, no bug fix patches, even though the game is notoriously crashy. And, uh, you know, uh, as we found out in recent turncasts, uh, people who play on the Linux version can no longer play with the new DLC stuff. Like, it, it, you literally can't get into the game without it, like, breaking. Mackie would know more about that, but... <laughs> the amount of times there's been, like, random driver crashes on people. I, I even still get... I had it last week that I was just playing along, the randomly game crashed, no error message, no nothing. It's like, hey? Back that, to the desktop with you. Uh, yeah, back to desktop with you. That's really great for stability in a multiplayer game, let me tell you. So basically, if you play Civ and it crashes, or it, you have in the past and you made a, a crash file, send it in now because they're actually working on fixing them. Yeah, I have sent in the previous ones when it actually does that, but this the, the straight to desktop with no stop is uh, kind of hard to send in. Yeah, but it does give me hope that the most major bugs will be squashed, hopefully. It also makes me wonder if they'll continue to do more patches after they're done with the uh, leader pass. Because uh, I, I, I am skeptical that they're going to get everything, you know, in just the patches that they release with the leader pass. So I'm, I'm hoping they maybe do at least like one more patch, like after the leader pass is done. Like, you know, the one last big one that hopefully squashes most, if not all of the remaining reported bugs. I'm relatively certain that right now they're not sure what they're going to do. Um because Ed Beach basically said, I'm not going to say this is the end because we've said that twice already and we were wrong both times. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there might be new content. Who knows? And please, 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 please give us the DLL. You're going to go on to Civ 7. You're going on to Civ 7 shortly enough. Let the modders have fun while you're working on Civ 7. I was, uh, spoilers, I was actually trying to bring the modcast podcast back recently because I'm no longer too sick to actually help them run it. And uh, apparently the modding scene has died down quite a bit because there's no DLL. I mean, there's still modders out there and a lot of them, but it's not nearly as big as it was for Civ 6 or Civ 4 and Civ 5, which is a real shame. But Well, that's what happens when, you know, what you can do is extremely limited by the, you know, resources that the developers actually provide you with. 
I don't know if extremely limited is the right way to put it, but um, a large a large swath of things you could try are not possible because that access doesn't exist. So, I don't know. I think we made it through the whole list. What do you think? Victory achieved. You defeated. Okay, so this has been uh, Polycast episode 413. Now with 20% extra content? No, now with 30% extra content because it's been 23 extra minutes. I am Candace mm. Albanus and I am joined uh, today with our slightly late but still just in time Makalua. Who definitely needs to go find coffee after this. <laughs> the me and team. Whee! And Mega Bears fan. Yep. Happy holidays to all. See you next year. Yep. Oh yeah. Should I announce that we've been renewed for next year? Am I allowed to do that without asking if you, you guys want to keep doing it? I think I'm supposed well, to tech. I'm supposed to technically ask you if you're all in for next year, right? No, we, we've been operating on a policy that unless we say otherwise, but we're gonna keep doing the show. Yeah, unless, unless we tell you to f off. Yeah, we're fine. Well, please don't tell me to f off. But if you want to stop, <laughs> that's fine. That would <laughs> one day it's just like super I mean. aggro, and it's from Mackie, not nobody else. It's Mackie just like throws an object on the floor and like starts shouting expletives and f off, and then just like disappears from all the discords related to Sam. <laughs> it's like we'll never see her Nothing again. Nothing it, just just out of nowhere. <laughs> Get wrecked. Well, we have had somebody do that to us at least once, and that was not fun. So <laughs> it was at least. I mean, whether or not it was a good reason, they at least had a reason in their mind. It wasn't, like, completely out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it has to be Mackie, because that's just the hardest of them to picture. <laughs> Mackie just randomly going super aggro. I'm not sure we could have Polycast without Mackie. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, pressure's on now. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, no, 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 not that much pressure. That might cause swearing, actually. Uh no, we we would be okay without you, but we would definitely miss you a lot. Oh, and that's true for the other of us too. I think the others of us. And I successfully made it through the entire recording with a baby on my lap, and hopefully it was not too distracting. Uh, I can only remember a couple of times where it was a problem, so it'll be okay. He has much to say about Siv. Like specifically, stop playing that and come play with me. Sounds like that's what he's saying right now. Just need to train him to to play it. He's almost old enough. Can you beat Noble yet? Yeah. What was that, Canis? Can you beat Noble yet? <laughs> oh, working on it. Merry Christmas, everybody, and to all a good night. Is that how we end these? No, we end it this way. Civilization 3, 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6 sound clips. Copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright the polycast or the polycast.net.